Well, hello and welcome to my home. I'm Dennis Prager. Great to be with you. It is literally a fireside chat and I pretty much, unless I am gone for a whole week, I do one every week because your feedback is so positive and, and the number of people who watch it is quite high. So it means a lot to me and it's totally informal, which is a risk by the way. There is nothing rehearsed, nothing scripted. I just offer you some ideas that then my favorite part is taking your questions, but it's, it's the real deal. And it's apparently well-received. So thank you. So did I even say my name? I don't even know if I said my name. My name is Dennis Prager, which you probably know, or you wouldn't actually be watching this now. But nevertheless, it is appropriate to say. So first of all, oh yes, let me introduce you. This is one of the stuffed animals that our dogs plays with. But I am holding it because I just thought that I needed a safe space. You all know what a safe space is, right? On a college campus, if you encounter just the fact that someone came on the campus and said something with which you differ, you can go to a safe space. They give you stuffed animals. And they uh, give you, what else do they give you? They give you, uh, what do they give you? Play-Doh. Play-Doh. They play sweet music. They show frolicking dog videos. What was that? Crayons? Crayons. This is to college kids. You know, if somebody if somebody gave me that when I was seven, I would have said, what am I, a baby? And these people are 20. This is a problem. It's the infantilization of young people in this country. Uh, is a very, very real problem. I feel bad for young people. The whole point is to grow up, not to stay a child. But that's another subject. So what am I going to open with today? I always open with a few comments on something. So I'm going to talk to you today about this. Every so often I will get an email. So Dennis, why do you have a cigar or pipe? I smoke both on your fireside chats uh, and I'll get either you know it's unhealthy or it's it's a bad role model or those are the two big ones and not even the role model so much as the unhealthy but so I want to talk to you about why I smoke cigars and a pipe because I think these things through and I have a philosophy about most things I do because I I agree with what is it Aristotle who said the the unthought through life, I'm paraphrasing, is not worth living. There's, there's a lot of truth to that. So I, I think things through. So let me tell you this. It's an interesting thing. I work very hard. But I adopted, I, I adopted a motto from my dad, may he rest in peace, who, by the way, smoked cigars until he passed away at 96. And by the way, that is what I took from my father. I didn't take a watch and I didn't take... Um, any of his religious items, uh, I, I took as my memento his last cigars. And I treasure them and I keep them in a special spot because I think of my father because every time I saw him, he was smoking a cigar. My father gave me a cigar to taste when I was about 16 or 17. I, I simply said, Dad, what does it taste like? So he said, try it out. By the way, today, my father might have had me confiscated by child protection services because you, you are giving your, 
teenage child, underage, you're giving him a cigar. It's, it's you who are, I would say, under 30, even under 40, you don't know that the difference between America today and the America that I grew up in. The America that I grew up in is more different from the America today than the America my grandfather, who was born in the 19th century, grew up in and the America that I grew up in. Obviously, he grew up with horse and buggy, and I grew up with cars. I understand that. He never saw an airplane when he was a kid, obviously. I understand. I'm not talking technologically. I'm talking in the quality of life, in, in the way in which life was lived. When I was, oh, I don't know, 11, 10, my mother would give me a quarter or 35 cents, whatever it cost. It was one of those two and would say, Dennis, please go to the candy store. That's what we called them. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and New York has what they call candy stores. I had a lot more when I grew up. It wasn't just candy. There was newspapers and get an egg salad sandwich and magazines and cigarettes. You know, it sold everything. Anyway, she said, Dennis, go to the candy store, please, and get me cigarettes. So at 10, I would buy cigarettes. And it, it was a non-issue. The guy sold it to me. I took him to, back to my mother. I even remember the brand. My mother smoked L&M. I don't even know if it exists. Liggett and Myers is what it stood for. Everything, everything was freer. Everything. People spoke more freely. People acted more freely. It was, it, it. It, it was just, it was, that's only one of the ways, but it was, that's a big way. So anyway, I want to talk to you about this for a moment. So why do I, so what happened? Then why do I smoke cigars and a pipe? Because it's very important. It, it, that's, that's, this is, if it weren't important, I wouldn't waste your time or my time talking about this. Everything needs to be thought through. So my father gave me the cigar at about 16 or 17, and I loved it immediately. And so he didn't care. Whenever I took a cigar, I would, I would smoke a cigar. It wasn't often, but, but I did. And I, I really enjoyed it. And then I started uh, smoking a pipe because I love the taste of tobacco. Uh, obviously, or I wouldn't continue. I don't happen to smoke. Uh, I don't happen to drink alcohol. Far more Americans drink alcohol than smoke anything today at any rate. And between alcohol and a cigar, well, when the war on tobacco began, and by the way, let me just say, I know cigarettes are dangerous. That's not even a question. Truth is truth, and that's all that matters. Cigarettes are dangerous. This is not. This is not because you don't inhale. That's the truth. The purpose of a cigar and a pipe is to taste tobacco. The purpose of a cigarette is to inhale nicotine. It's a very big difference. And people need to know that. They don't. They think this is the same thing. They have The only thing they have in common is that they both burn. They both have smoke. Okay. I wrote a piece for a newsletter that I wrote in the, in the 90s or eight, and 80s. I wrote a piece... As soon as the war on tobacco began, I said, this shows our society is morally upside down. There's no war on alcohol. So I have a question to ask. How many people molest children, 
beat their spouse because they had a cigarette? The answer is zero. How many people molest a child or, or beat a spouse after imbibing alcohol? The answer is millions. Why did we make a war on tobacco, which causes people not to hurt anyone else at all, but not on, uh, why did we make the war on tobacco, which causes no harm to others? It does harm yourself if it's cigarettes. I acknowledge that. It can harm you, uh, but not on alcohol because our moral, our moral compass is broken. That's why. Uh, to this day, I don't, I don't really know the answer. Society went, went crazy. If I sat here, you know, having a little scotch on the rocks or, or you know, a martini, nobody would give a hoot. It's a non-issue, let alone a beer. I mean, if I had a beer now, you know, Adam Carolla and I go around the country doing doing events. By the way, we'll be in Brooklyn in God. You want to give me the date so I could announce it to people. Uh, so those of you in the New York area, you should come. They're, they're very special evenings when Adam and I get together. November 29th. November 29th, Sunday night. Wednesday night. Okay, I got everything wrong about it. Okay, Wednesday night. All right, Wednesday, Sunday. Uh, you know, give me a break, will you? <laughs> what? So that's very funny. Not even Adam Carolla. In fact, I won't even be there. No, no, no. This was all. This is all. I just love the absurd. Uh, Adam Carolla and I will be in Brooklyn, November 29th, Wednesday night. Okay. So uh, be that as it may, Adam will. Adam comes out usually uh, with some uh, some wine. By the way, it's. By the way, I have no issue with people drinking if they if they don't get drunk. I have, I have no issue. And he doesn't, obviously. He just he just loves it. That's fine with me. My my, my father loved alcohol as well as cigars. Uh, but so I I understand that. But that's like a non-issue. So if I had that beer or, or if I had that little wine here, nobody would say anything. I wouldn't get letters. But this, woo, it shows you the power of the media to affect people's thinking in an irrational way. I don't know why this is upsetting to people. Maybe because, as I, get, I, as I said, maybe they think it's cigarettes. But here's my thinking. My father had a motto, back to my dad. Okay? My father had a motto. He would say this very often. I hear his voice as any kid can hear their parents' voice. You hear it forever. It's sort of like a recording in your brain. Dennis, I work hard and I play hard. And I thought, that is true. I knew how hard my father worked, and I knew that he loved life. He, if he, he wanted to enjoy life, and he did. And if you could enjoy it with, with your scotch on the rocks, and you can enjoy it with a cigar, then what do I care? I care about alcohol, obviously, because of the great number of people who become alcoholic, and this is, this is a horrible thing, and it's, it's a terrible tragedy. And I don't need to go there. But I do believe that joys in life, little joys, make for a happier person. And this is one of my little joys. Why, why, why wouldn't I do it? You know, I am a religious person, as I have often noted. In my case, I am a religious Jew. And there is a very famous statement in the Talmud. 
The Talmud is the second holiest work in Judaism. The first holiest is the Bible. The second is the Talmud. Talmud is, is gigantic. It is about the size of the Encyclopedia Britannica. In other words, it's many, 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 many volumes. And it's very dense, and it's got everything. Law, folklore, and stories, and, and philosophy of life. So here is one I, I loved. God will ask you five questions. This is, this is in the Talmud. God will ask you five questions when you appear before him and you're judged. And one of them is, why did you not partake of any permitted joy or every permitted joy? In other words, I want you to enjoy life. That's the philosophy. And if it's a permitted pleasure, by golly, enjoy it. It's the non-permitted pleasures that cause a lot of problems, obviously. But a permitted one, what is the big deal? So I just wanted you to understand, I've given this thought. Uh, as for the health danger issue, I am told about lip cancer and tongue cancer. Okay, it, it is a possibility. Uh, it, it is exceedingly rare. It, it is rarer, way rarer than people being killed crossing the street. And I do cross the street as well. But I acknowledge that I have weighed that. But in my life, and I, I was just telling some of the folks who make this recording, I know two people with ALS, known as Lou, Gehr Lou Gehrig's disease. It's a terrible thing. It, you, you, your, your, your neurological system shuts down. And it's a, it's a it's a very serious illness, <coughs> and most people don't know people with it. <coughs> no, it's not from the cigar. Just clearing my throat. I know people think that too. I know exactly what goes on. But anyway, uh, and uh, I don't know anyone who got lip or tongue cancer. All right, it's just okay. So much for that. As for secondhand smoke, one quick comment. I stake uh, my credibility on the following comment that the statement that 50,000 people a year die of secondhand smoke is a lie simple as that my brother is a professor of medicine whose field he's a professor of medicine and his field is pulmonology lungs and he smokes cigars okay just just for the record and uh, so that's that's pretty that's pretty powerful. I uh, I live with these uh, realities in life. That is a lie. The secondhand smoke thing. Now, if you are in a submarine in a very small compartment for thirty years with someone who chain smokes, there might be a danger. But in real life, secondhand smoke is a non-issue. That people are afraid to pass by outdoors where people are smoking is, is, is mind blowing to me. By the way, one more thing about this. I realized how much this is a problem. I broadcast this on my radio show today. The nonsense. This was a major piece in the wall street journal by a, uh, uh, well, I don't, I don't know if he is a scientist. I think he is, but he quoted scientists about, uh, e-cigarettes that the, 
the uh, Center for Centers for Disease Control think that they're a tobacco product. There's no tobacco in electronic cigarette. It's just water vapor and nicotine. And yet the uh, the and the British, by the way, the British medical authorities are pro e-cigarettes because it saves lives. People get off cigarettes because they want the nicotine and they get the nicotine, but they don't get the junk that causes cancer in cigarettes. And even that is being regulated as if it's a cigarette. It's all it's all animated by emotion rather than science. Okay, just thought I'd share that with you. The little joys of life. Oh yes, and there is one other joy that I have from this. It's politically incorrect. That's that's not a little part of my joy, because I can't stand the. Uh, I don't like the herd instinct, where people you know hear something they don't think it through, and they just follow it because, uh, you know they they. That's what the herd is doing. Okie dokie. Time for your questions. Oh, by the way, we have a PragerU thing right on the post. A donate link, yeah. A donate link in the post there. PragerU um, is very powerful. It presents very intelligent, entertaining five-minute videos to make people think on almost every issue. So help us keep it free by donating. Thank you. Okay, Mike. Dennis, was PragerU's new video on self-esteem a joke? How about yourself? Do you have positive self-esteem? Okay, no, the, the latest video, which is up today on self-esteem, is not a joke. I, I knocked this. I wrote it. You don't have to trust me. It's in print. Within about a year of the self-esteem movement starting, and it started in California. John Vasconcelos, who recently passed away, started it. He was a state senator in, uh, in California. I wrote how foolish the self-esteem movement was. It has turned out to be more than foolish. It is almost dangerous because you don't produce good people when you give kids uh, all of this unearned self-esteem. The guy who made the video said... Matt Walsh. It's a very intelligent video. Oh, and it's fun. It, but it was not a joke. Fun and joke is not the same thing. Uh, do I... So you, you're challenging me. Well, don't I have positive self-esteem? I... First of all, let's talk about kids, because that's where the bigger danger is. I had no self-esteem as a kid. All the self-esteem, if that's even the word to use... I would say self-respect. I don't have self-esteem. I do have self-respect. And that's a very big deal in my life. But I earn my respect, just as I would hope I would earn your respect. But I had none as a kid, and I don't... I am a happier, more confident human being because it is earned. My... my <laughs> in my world, we didn't get trophies for showing up. I don't understand that. You get a trophy for winning, not for showing up. Not everybody is a winner. How can, if everybody's a winner, then there's no winner. Then the word is absurd. I was always taller than all the other kids in my class. I was six foot four already in high school. 
And I remember in summer camp when we had track. So I remember how embarrassed I was that I would come in last or next to last in races, but I had the longest legs. You know, kids six inches shorter than me were beating me because I can't run fast. I didn't want a trophy for trying. <laughs> the kid who got the trophy was the kid who was the fastest runner. That, that meant to be something. Okay, clearly I had to deal with the fact that God gave me long legs, but I can't run fast. So I had to figure out what do I do with my life knowing that I am not good at something. Everyone has to deal with that. You're not good at something. What do you do about it? That's called growing up. That's called becoming an adult, becoming mature. Not getting a trophy for showing up. I remember my kid played baseball. His team lost. I think it came in last place and he got a trophy. This is the first thing I'd never heard about that before. So I remember saying to him as my older son, I remember saying, David, how come you got a trophy? I was about nine. Said, for playing. I thought he was kidding. I, I thought he was kidding. You got I said, Dave, you got a, you, you got a trophy for playing? But your team came in last. He didn't, at that point, you know, it didn't, didn't mean anything to him. So we came in last. So what? I didn't get a trophy for winning. I got a trophy for playing. But you should only get a trophy if you win. That's, that's the way. Why don't we do that? Well, if, if you think it's good for kids, why not for adults? Why not give an Academy Award to every actor and actress who appeared in any film? Why is that any different? Why should one actor and one actress get bed, best performing uh, best actress or best actor award a year. Is that fair? Why doesn't every actor get a uh, showed up award? They were in a film. Three seconds. Didn't say anything, but they were there. They, you know, one of the pedestrians walking by in the background. So, yes, this film is very serious. So here is my question that I always ask people. Here's my request, not question. My request is that you ask this question. I want you to ask the finest adults you know. I mean, kindest, people of the most integrity, most honesty, most decency, the, the people you are most admiring of for character, okay? Not, not for achievements outside of character, for character. Ask them the following question. Did you have high self-esteem as a kid? Every single one will say no. You know who have very high self-esteem? This is not, I didn't make this up. Roy Baumeister, one of the leading criminologists in America, was a professor of, uh, of criminology. I think in, 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 uh, he was at Case Western, now he's in Florida at, at some university there. Uh, I had him on my show many times. He's a very, very incisive man. He spent his life with, uh, with violent criminals, studying them. And he told me, you know, Dennis, you know, has the highest self-esteem of anyone I've ever met? Murderers. By the way, it makes perfect sense. I think so highly of myself. I am so superior to you, I could take your life. Now, I'm not saying self-esteem leads to murder. I'm merely offering you an insight. So, yes, it's a very serious video. William 32, Reno, Nevada. Dennis, do you plan on reading Hillary Clinton's new book? I do, actually. But uh, not right now. Right now, I am reading a biography of Robert E. Lee. Since they're taking his trophy down, I decided I, I uh, wanted to learn more about him. 
William, oh, that was, is M-A-J-O, is that Majo, Mayo, or Majo? Whichever one, 19 years old, hi. Dennis, do you think one day people will judge our generation unfavorably for eating meat? Do you think eating meat is immoral? I do think that that will happen. And, and I've raised this issue very often. I wonder if you've heard me say it. If you didn't, it's fascinating that you're asking the question. You cannot judge people of the past by the standards of today. It doesn't work. A a almost everybody will fail. So yes, Washington and Jefferson had slaves. Obviously having slaves is wrong, uh, but they were great men nevertheless. It's just something, it's, 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 I don't think it's too complex a notion that the people who founded the freest society and the best society for black humans to live in, in my opinion, the United States of America, yes, they did have slaves, but, but the, the good that they did was so enormous that we understand in that day, it was not regarded as bizarre or morally bizarre, if you will to uh, have slaves. I would say this though, if I learned he was a sadist, that either Jefferson or Washington were sadistic towards slaves, that would have an impact on the way I viewed them, that I, that I would acknowledge. But because even then that would have been regarded as wrong. So yes, I believe that eventually more and more people will be vegetarian. They will make vegetables taste like meat. It'll be very much easier to be a vegetarian. And they will view those of us who ate meat as not exactly the way we view, view people who own slaves, but nevertheless in a very negative light. Do I think eating meat is immoral? I struggle with this issue. Uh, this is, maybe I'll do a whole uh, opening one day on that subject. I struggle with the issue. I deeply respect those who do not. No, let me make something clear. Take that back. I have no problem, moral problem, with killing an animal and eating it. I have a problem with animal suffering, not animal death. So if an animal leads a good life, is kept in a humane way, and then is killed instantaneously or is stunned prior to even being killed, that's a different story. It's, it's what happens before they're killed that troubles me about animals. That's why I have not, I have not eaten veal since my teens because I, I, I know how they're raised in order to keep the meat soft and it's a terrible life and that's cruel. So my issue is not eating animals, it's how animals are treated prior to their being eaten. Three more questions. Justus in Germany asks, Dennis, what do you think about Germany and the German people? Wow. Wow. That's, that's, that's a, so huge. Oh God. Where do I begin? This will, this will sound odd, but some of the kindest people I've ever known were German. I'm thinking of two in particular, one who actually lived here, a German a young man who lived with my family just until a few months ago for half a year. He is a remarkable, remarkable human being and a young woman. Well, she's now, I guess in her forties. And, 
I don't, I've never met a kinder human being than this German woman who was married to an American friend of mine. So there are beautiful people in Germany, that is a given. But Germany's caused more problems in the last hundred or so years than anybody else. And that's just a fact. The, uh, and just recently I did a show on this, on this question. A man wrote a, a, a very powerful article. What, what is it? What is the problem with Germany or something like that? And he made a very powerful point that I had never thought of. He noted a book that a, a major woman scholar had written, Gertrude Himmelfarb, and it was about the, the uh, English, French, and American Enlightenment. And he asked, well, why didn't she write about the German Enlightenment? He said, because they did not share the Enlightenment. They went for romanticism, not reason. And that made a great deal of sense to me. This romantic strain, like the folk, you know, the, the, the Nazi emphasis on the, on the, on the folk, uh, you know, Volkswagen means people's car. This was a very big deal, the folk, but it was all irrational. Wagner's operas are irrational. And, and, and I love Wagner's operas, by the way, even though he was a, a, you know, a terrible anti-Semite and so on. So a lot of bad ideas came from Germany, including socialism. Forgetting Marx, who was German and is the father of, of this nonsense, it is also, uh, you know, the Kaiser uh, who, uh, who initiated this stuff. And do you know how our universities began to go down a bad path intellectually and morally? Because at the end of the 1800s, very few American universities were awarding PhDs. So young scholars would go to Germany to get their PhD. And that began the, uh, the bad ideas that have now truly ruined our university. So the individual German goes from beautiful to ugly like any other group. But the collective Germany uh, has been problematic. And now the latest taking in a million people from the Middle East and causing terrible problems as a result in all of Europe, all of Europe. And it may not survive as Europe. And Germany will have been decisive in, in this. And the book you should read in this regard is The Strange Death of Europe by Douglas Murray, who is gay and an atheist. So he's got a lot of credentials that a lot of people find important. Of course, the only credential I find important is he's, he is morally brilliant. It's a very important book. The Strange Death of Europe. Two more. Michael, 13. Hi, Michael. Antelope, California. Dennis, can you give me some advice that I need if I want to become professionally successful as an adult? Yes. Develop your character. Character uber alles. Character first. If you have a good character, you will succeed in anything you do. That is the most important thing you can do. And that entails good values and self-control. Self-control is the key to almost everything. 
Final question is from Forrest34 from Fort Worth, Texas. Dennis, were there any points in your life where you lost your faith in God or in Judaism? If so, what did you do to restore your faith? You know, that is interesting. You folks ask good questions. I do remember I did have a crisis of faith, and I, I remember very well, and I remember what triggered it. I was in my early 20s, and I, I, I drove from New York to Dallas, or New York to Texas. I didn't get as far as Dallas even. But I drove from New York to Texas and back just to see America. And we visited, we, because I took my friend uh, with me, my close friend at the time, we drove together. I drove, he rode, <laughs> let's put it that way. But, you know, we did the trip together. We visited a spectacular couple that we knew in Alexandria, Louisiana, central Louisiana. And he told us of a niece that he had who was hit by a train in a terrible accident and was terribly brain damaged. And I don't know why, because it's not like I didn't know about suffering. I, I, I've been obsessed with human suffering since I was a teenager. But for whatever reason, I just thought of that girl and thought, you know, if, if there's a God, he really made a very unfair place. But maybe there isn't a God. Maybe everything is just random. The girl is brain damaged because it was her, her bad luck that this accident took place. And for whatever reason, I did go through uh, that crisis of faith. It actually turned out good because it forced me to approach the issue of God rationally and not have faith in God because I was raised with faith in God. I don't like to do anything just out of habit. I wanted to, to really analyze this question of God. And the, the amazing thing is, I believe in God overwhelmingly because of reason, not because of emotion but be, or habit, but because of reason. Most people think that the more rational you are, the more likely you are to be an atheist or an agnostic. But I, I have come to God almost solely because of reason. Reason does not suggest to me that intelligence came about randomly. If you found a computer on Jupiter, I assume you would assume that an intelligence made a computer because it, it reflects intelligence. It has a hard drive. It has an operating system. Well, we're infinitely more complex than a computer. And, and we came about just on our own? just from rocks we went by the way you know you know this that darwin doesn't even touch the question of how you went from inanimate to animate how does life come from non-life there is no explanation in the scientific world it is a 100 percent mystery so i assume that this mystery is solvable that a higher intelligence made this intelligence since it doesn't happen on its own. And I worked through on rational grounds in my 20s uh, the, the issue of God, and it has only become stronger and stronger. If you want to read 
well, I've written on this a lot, but if you want to read a very, very good few pages, just a few pages, not even a book, for all of my radio career, which is over 30 years, people have called up who have studied the 12-step program or lived the 12-step program because they're addicted, whether it's alcohol or gambling or drugs or what have you. And they, they are sober now thanks to the 12-step program, which I knew nothing about, nothing. I've come to believe there's more wisdom in the 12-step program than at any of our, nearly any of our universities. The entire university is not as wise as the big book, as they call it. So I finally decided just a few weeks ago, I'm going to read the big book, as they call it, the basis of the 12-step program for addicts. The book is brilliant, just pure common sense. And the few pages on God were just awesome. You should, you should all read it and how there is, there is no other answer to the riddle of life other than God. But I'm saying it in a way that doesn't do justice to its argument. So yes, I think it's a healthy thing to, uh, to go through a difficult period vis-a-vis -vis God. But I'll leave you with this thought. So if you uh, read the Bible, you know that God chooses a people to take his message to the world. They're known today as Jews. They were known as Hebrews or Israelites. The name of the people is Israel. That's the name of the people. It's also the name of a country, but it's in the Bible, it's the name of a people. Do you know what it means? What the word Israel in Hebrew means? Very few people know this. And it's not, I'm not making it up. It actually says it in the Bible. When the, the patriarch Jacob has his name changed to Israel, that's when it happens. And it means struggle with God. El is God. Yisra or Yisra is to struggle. The name of God's people is struggle with God. So it's good for believers to struggle with God. And it's good for atheists to struggle with God. That's the point. You shouldn't be complacent in your atheism either. With that, thanks for watching. I'm Dennis Prager. See you next time.